everyone. We wanted to tell you about a new show we are loving, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. It's a show about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds you. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? Is Paw Patrol copaganda or is it not that deep? And what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter, the Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. This is the hat they made me wear. When I graduated from law school. The fluffy beret. <laughs> yeah, it was like a fluffy beret. It's like a chef's hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, did you hear me say fluffy beret or did you? You said fluffy beret? I just said fluffy beret. And then I said fluffy beret? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Girl, dog twin language. Oh, no. Fluffy beret. <laughs> oh, no. It's happening. Convergence. Text me back. Text me back. Text me back at once. Why won't you text me back? Text. Text me back. Text me back, back. Megan. Welcome to Text Me Back, a comedy and opinion podcast from KUOW about best friends, the best animals, and the worst people. I'm Megan Hatcher Mace. And I'm Lindy West. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in to episode five of Text Me Back. What a delight. They keep uh, letting us make them. <laughs> I know. And you, you keep tuning in. You're, you keep you doing it. Throwing them. We I keep hitting them out of the park. I think what's been so fun about this podcast is hearing from people who have been listening and they are leaving very fawning comments and reviews, which I read. And that is my sustenance. Instead of eating breakfast, I read my accolades. Thank you. It's the only thing that gets me through week to week in between episodes because I need people to praise me. (laughs) And so... I like it when the episode comes out and then people say, ha ha, good job. But then that fades away over the course of the week. But then I can go to the Apple podcasts and I can read our little reviews. And we have 90 ratings with a 4.9 average. As far as I can tell, we've only received one non five star review someone gave us one star show yourself show yourself no we just want to improve who are you we want the feedback we want the feedback no i mean i'm not even mad i'm really not mad i just want to know why i just want to know what you did like <laughs> it's thrilling to me that someone did that it's somebody did that? it was well i think we know, I who, think it we know who it was yeah kd kayak dad slash docent at the george washington <laughs> museum <laughs> We know who it was. We know what he didn't like about it. Okay, it was no, my pheromone. I mean, that I release an auditory pheromone <laughs> as well as a nose pheromone. Correct. Listen, this episode is not just the Lindy and Megan narcissism power hour. Okay, well, this. I mean, it sort of is. But actually, this episode we really wanted to hear from you. And every week we do our own tidings, but this week we are taking listener. Tidings. Megan? Isn't that fun? 
Megan. Yes. Let me get that theme song. Let me get that theme song. <laughs> oh, I thought th- this is your week to write one. I think yours is canon. <laughs> do, 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 do you have it? Tidings. <laughs> Listener tidings. <laughs> Listener tidings. Uh, so, the answer is we do have them. We have yep. listener tidings. It's so cute that people have been sending us their tidings. I know. I love it. And I feel like the first one's really good. One, because it's a nice compliment about our podcast. And two, it features the word balls. So let's get into it. This Megan is from- and I had a whole meeting about whether or not she's allowed to say balls on the podcast. No, so I'm just luxuriating in this. <laughs> we, ch- we checked with KOW and they said, yes, please. This one's from Sue in Tacoma. And she says, thank God people keep recommending comedy podcasts. Me, side note from Megan. Stop recommending comedy podcasts to to Sue. Leave her alone. Anyway, she says, thank God people keep recommending comedy podcasts to me. And I look them up only to find it is always two guys talking about their balls. I'm so happy you exist. Ghosts are better than balls. Sincerely, Sue in Tacoma. Sue, thank you so much. I couldn't agree more. Ghosts are better than balls. I mean, Lindy's not sure. In every way. Yeah. Well, doesn't have to be a contest between ghosts and balls. I'm trying to think if I had to pick. Yeah, ghosts. I'd pick ghosts. Yeah. Sue's right. Sue's right. And I think we can't guarantee that this show will never talk about balls because we've already broken that pledge. Our balls, which is No, we will not. No, we will not. And we will talk about ghosts uh, a (laughs) hundredfold. Yeah. Times. That's a promise. And that's a promise. The ratio of balls to ghosts, it's gonna, you're gonna like it, Sue. I think you're gonna like these odds. I just like that people are turning to us in these male dominated times. You know, this is not that type of podcast. This is for feminine energies only. Divine feminine. Divine feminine. This podcast is a cult, and you have joined it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. What else we got in the uh, listener tiding bag? All right. Let's see. Okay. Oh, my God. This one is so precious. And also, it delves into the lore, which we love. Big fan with a question about your friendship. Is Megan the friend with whom Lindy shares a, quote, feral bog twin language as referenced in Lindy's book, Shrill? I think I know the answer, but just want to verify. I didn't remember writing that. Um, <laughs> well, I was I, like, <laughs> it seems like it could be me, but I, we should double check. And Lindy's like, who else would I have written that about? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great description. Whoever wrote that is an incredible writer. Pulitzer. It does encapsulate us. But as much as I like listening to our podcast episodes over and over and over, <laughs> I do not go back and read my early writing i find it stressful Mm. but megan delved into the heart of the mountain and found the passage i went it's really cute actually i went deep into the mines of moria well you know for the purposes of journalism i did want to verify who developed the feral bog twin language with lindy so i got out my autographed copy of (laughs) shrill Signed by Lindy West. That's you, by the way. I am in it. And it was kind of wild to have something written about me in a book. And then all my friends who read it were like, she nailed it. That's, you're exactly like that. Aww. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's nice. 
Here's what you wrote. It said, I discovered that Megan, that's me, by the way, was an obsessive comedy archivist just like me. It was uncanny. Her bedroom was stacked with fat loaves, VHS tapes, also painstakingly labeled in her handwriting, weirdly like mine, that she'd been recording off the TV for years, just like me. A couple of dorks we were. (laughs) That's an editorial note from me. We'd drive around for hours in my Volvo, listening to Mitch Hedberg and David Cross. With the advent of Napster, we would just make each other entire mix CDs of audio clips from The Simpsons. Megan spent $50 on eBay, an exorbitant amount of money at the time. And now, by the way... To get a bootleg VHS copy of every Tenacious D episode, we wore the tape out. Within months, our vocal cadence merged until even we couldn't tell our voices apart. And sometimes we went so long without saying anything that wasn't a reference or an inside joke that we might as well have been speaking some feral bog twin language. We won funniest in the senior class poll. We were fucking unbearable. (laughs) And scene. <laughs> okay, I have a couple things to say. Yes, please. First, I want to say that the worst part of our feral bog twin language, <laughs> I would say the worst thing that we did was that we got into this horrible sort of mental illness <laughs> called Don't do it. Don't don't do I, it to I him. gotta tell him. Don't I gotta tell, tell him. him. Don't do it to him. Called Sing Song Voice. Oh. And it I don't know how long Sing Song Voice went on. I'm I wanna say it like at least a year. Two years? I mean, into college, fully into college. And it went like this. It was everything that we said was like, oh, no, sing song voice. Oh, no, time to read the listener tidings. Oh, feral bog twin. bog twin language. Oh, no. My favorite was if we were riding around in your car and I said or did something you didn't like, you'd go, punishment. Yeah, and, and then I like would pretend to the car. drive into oncoming traffic. First of all, how did we survive? Oh, no. <laughs> Death. Oh. I mean, it took years for us to... Deprogramming, to really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had to be... Yeah. We had to be decultified. We had to escape polygamy. <laughs> it's so funny that in 1999, you had to spend $50 on a precious, more valuable than gold VHS of Tenacious D that yeah. someone taped off of HBO. Because just this morning when we were planning this segment and reading through our listener tidings, <laughs> we were joking about how much we love them. And then we were like, it's just like the episode about Lee. Yeah. Lee, 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 Lee. Where Tenacious D <laughs> finally get one fan and then they become obsessed with him. And then they start stalking their own super fan. You have 33 messages. Lee, what up? It's the D. So cool hanging with you last night. You want to come over and play some video golf? Call us back, bros, if Lee rules! And then our angel producer, Jeannie, was like, what's that? And then I was able to pull it up on YouTube for free. And like the amount of sweat and tears that it used to take to get your hands on media... And the amount of time we spent on that, like, who could we be if we hadn't been archiving VHS tapes? The thing is, you'd have to find out about it through, like, word of mouth, because HBO was not rerunning old Tenacious D episodes, you know? So maybe, like, midnight on Sunday, but, like, 
We didn't have HBO. I, I didn't even have HBO. It was not. Who had HBO? It wasn't Max. The president? Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Also, that anecdote in Shrill about the VHSs and the mixed CDs reminded me of the other day when I was at the KOW studio and one of the intrepid reporters was like, oh, Lindy, can I interview you for this piece we're doing about the teen dance ordinance, which was a thing <laughs> in the 90s where teenagers were not allowed to dance. <laughs> And they were like, could we do an interview where you talk about how that affected you? Because I was a teenager in exactly the years of the teen dance ordinance. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no, you may not, because it affected me. Not at all. (laughs) I was not trying to dance. (laughs) I was not in my home, not at a club, not any place. I was not cool. And I stayed in my room and I programmed the VCR. I was inward facing. I just think there's no greater distillation of how much I was not affected by the teen dance ordinance than that (laughs) passage in Shrill. (laughs) (laughs) Although I would say for me, the fact that I couldn't go anywhere and dance is what cultivated my love of the VHS. Because I wanted to get into those clubs so bad. I was so annoyed. I was like, I don't even want to drink. I just want to see Ska. (laughs) You know? It was horrible. I couldn't even see real big fish. <laughs> the disrespect. I love that we came at it from different directions. So that was me. I'm Feral Bog Twin Language. And now yeah. you can listen to this podcast and just wait for our vocal cadence to merge and for Sing Song oh, Voice no. to come back. <laughs> oh, no. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward oh, to. No. Deep programming commence. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Lindy and I get into the complicated politics of friendship and share advice learned from our own award-winning friendship on staying close over very, very long distances. Our show is called Text Me Back, so we want to invite you to our group chat. Do you have any questions for us about your own friendship dilemmas? Maybe friendships with ghosts or just some personal tidings of your own? No song needed, but encouraged. Very encouraged. We want to include your questions and tidings on the show. So text us to join the Text Me Back text club. Text BFF to 206-926-9955. That's 206-926-9955. And even if we can't text you back every time, we pinky promise to read all of your texts and think about how to include them in the show. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as, number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you, KUOW listeners, want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast. Okay, here's a spicy point yeah. about this podcast, Text Me Back. Mm-hmm. Megan and I are bona fide best friends. Yep. However, it is true 
speaking of escaping polygamy, that <laughs> we're not each other's only best friend. I know. Like, I assume that you have other best friends. Yeah. I have other best friends. But to me, best friendship is a sort of quality of connection mm-hmm. or a state of being rather than a, a hierarchy of position. I think that's right. And so for me, I can have the best friendship connection with many, many different people. And so if you're listening to this and you think that we're best friends, you're right. You're not. She's lying. No, it's just kidding. No, she, you're right. I think that's right. But I feel like that's totally true. And I also feel like different best friends occupy different home bases for you. So mm. like, I don't have feral bog twin language with all my friends. But for example, I have very good besties from law school who understand what that very tragic period <laughs> of my life was like (laughs) in a way that like you wouldn't say because you didn't stupidly go to law school (laughs) just to be systematically depressed in exchange for six figures of student loan debt. You didn't do that. So like, you know, I have these other really critical bestiehoods with other people who understand those aspects of my life, like really fundamentally. And then there's the longevity of our friendship. But you also have friends and I do too. Like you have friends that you people you've known since babyhood, you know, elementary school. And those are true, very true and very real best friendships. Yeah. And I don't think that our best friendship devalues any of our other best friendships, nor do they devalue this. Although I am mad and jealous and also you aren't allowed to have other best friends, FYI. I was just going to say, I don't (laughs) recall giving you permission to have other best friends, but we can talk about this off air. We can talk about it off the air. But um, because this ended up being so best friend centric, I have been worried about hurting people's little feelings that are precious to me. No, impossible. It's just this is the best friendship where you get to have a podcast that gives you compliments. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and also, okay, our best friendship is special and crazy. Correct. Like, what is our deal, man? What's the problem? (laughs) It's been like this since day one. Our brains are commingled (laughs) marinara sauce. I don't have that with anybody else, you know? I know. I know. And throw an anchovy in there, by the way. Yeah. If you want your marinara to really sing. Yeah. Yeah. I only just found that out recently. Speaking of our best friendship, Gina from Washington, D.C. wants to know, how do you maintain a long distance BFF relationship and keep it surviving and thriving? And follow up question, does Megan always throw it in Lindy's face that Eastern Standard Time is the only normal time in the United States. Gina, no, I do not. And I'm I'm so sorry. I don't want to alienate our listeners, but Pacific Time is superior to East Coast Time. But if we want to get real, if we want to get real about time zones, Central Time is elite, baby. Central Time is elite. And I'll tell you why. You don't have strong feelings about this? I just don't relate. I don't know. I've never lived in Central Time. Well, you're missing out. Although I stan the Midwest hard. And I do love it. I do love it there. And I would move there and I will move there. Despite (laughs) what you may have heard in Iowa history, we love the Middle West. Okay. Here's the thing about time zones. East Coast time is nice because everything is happening live. You get to see it when it airs for the first time. You don't have to like wait around (laughs) for three hours for it to air like you do on the Pacific coast. Yeah. But check this out. Central time 
has all the benefits of East Coast time, but it airs an hour earlier, so you can go to bed sooner. Mm. Hello. So all the prestige dramas, instead of starting at 10, are starting at 9. Over by 10, you're in bed, you're napping, your skin is glowing, as we've mentioned, you're getting your eight hours in, because The Sopranos is over at 10. (laughs) It's great. It's great. Central time. Mm. Elite. And that's all I have to say about that, Gina. Sorry. Here's what I like about Pacific time. Go on. Here's what I like about Pacific time. I feel very close to Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So like, Freaking New York, they're up and working. Mm -hmm. I'm in bed. I'm sleeping. And then like, they're tired and their day is over. Mm -hmm. I'm still going, you know? Like, I feel like there's just something like breezy, easy breezy, beautiful about being on the West Coast. Yesterday you texted me. So here in Washington, D.C., it was 530 and it was pitch black. It was nighttime. (laughs) And you texted me to be like, oh, I'm thinking about taking Barry for a walk down to the beach. And I was like, in the dark? And I remembered that where you are, it was still normal. (laughs) And it feels unfair there's something about Pacific time that feels like a fountain of eternal youth to me. Like I feel like you're older than me. I've seen because so much. You're yeah, forward true. in time. It's true. <laughs> to actually answer Gina's question, how do we maintain our friendship? Uh, we started a podcast. That's yeah. That's how <laughs> we did it. Uh, if you are missing your best friend and you're like, oh, I wish we kept in touch more, but you live so far away, just start a podcast with them. You'll have to. Yeah. You got to make an LLC together. You got to talk on the phone. I know. For four hours, we have a, day, a business account day. now. So I mean, the the magic's fading. To be honest, <laughs> just gonna squeeze all the money we can out of this and then dip. <laughs> before the podcast, uh, we maintained our friendship by having a uh, creepy commingled yes. brain that could not be surgically separated, yep. and then we would text each other. With varying frequency Mm -hmm. for the last 20 years, sometimes every day, sometimes every six months. (laughs) I go to Lindy's family reunions every five years. (laughs) That's another option. That is a big part of it. (laughs) And I think a thing that Megan and I have learned, not to get serious, but if you're having an issue uh, with Mm -hmm. your best friend, you gotta call him on the phone and be like, you made me upset. And And then you have a big... You have a big boy feelings yeah, talk. big boy feelings talk. And some tears come out. And then you say, I'm so glad we talked about this because the thought of there being a fracture in our friendship was literally <gasps> crushing my will to live. And then you're friends again. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it communication, works. I guess. And podcast. Top two friendship advice yeah. for you. And if you want a guaranteed listener in Tacoma, don't talk don't about, talk your, about balls. your balls. Sue's and then Sue's, Sue's on, on board. board. Sue will subscribe. Do, 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 do you have it? Break. <laughs> Coming up, Megan responds to a piece of not so great feedback about our take on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So stick around. This podcast is free and it's accessible to everyone thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, please consider supporting its production by donating to our home, KUOW. It only takes a minute to give and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks.
Megan, now here is a little something for you. Mm. We got one rather serious, mm. I don't want to say angry, but disgruntled piece of feedback about something in your wheelhouse. This person said, re-Roe v. Wade, which we discussed in episode one. And for context, we discussed how Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't retire and then died. And now we all have to die from not being able (laughs) to get critical health care. So this person said, re-Roe v. Wade, with the outright theft of Scalia's seat and forcing Kennedy to retire, it still would have fallen. 5-4 instead of 6-3. Always disappointed to see feminists blaming women for the misdeeds of men. Mm. What say you, Megs? Thank you for the submission. You are wrong. Sorry. (laughs) But here is, uh, if you'll follow me a little bit while I flex my six-figure law school education. So in Dobbs, which was the case that overturned Roe v. Wade, there were two different pieces of this ruling. The first was, does this abortion ban in Mississippi violate our rights under Roe v. Wade? And also, is Roe v. Wade wrongly decided? So on the question of, is this Mississippi ban on abortion violative of our constitutional right under Roe v. Wade? That was 6-3. That was all of the conservatives, including John Roberts, who sucks, by the way, Everyone stop thinking John Roberts is normal. He's bad. We can get into that later. So on the question of whether or not the abortion ban in Mississippi was unconstitutional, the court said, no, it was not by a vote of six to three. On the question of was Roe v. Wade and the following case, KCV Planned Parenthood, were those cases wrongly decided under the United States Constitution? That was 5-4. John Roberts, who again, sucks. So don't hear what I'm about to say and think, oh, maybe he's not that bad because he is. He's very bad. John Roberts joined the liberals to say, I wouldn't go that far as to say Roe v. Wade should be overturned and Casey should be overturned. So when we say Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired in a more politically advantageous time, what we mean is had she done that and had there been four liberals plus the chief justice saying Roe v. Wade should not be overturned, we would still have some of the protections provided by Roe and by Casey. So in that situation, Roe may have been damaged, but not totally dead. That is the truth. That is the case. Can I ask a question that is a really unhelpful hypothetical? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, say Ruth had retired and been replaced with a liberal uh, justice. In that moment, do you think John Roberts would have flipped and gone with the conservatives. Is there anything performative in him wanting to like be America's bay? <laughs> America's <laughs> centrist bay? America's yeah. top mod, top moderate? Yeah. I would say that what he actually did is what he would have done. It, like, I think that yeah. for John Roberts, everything is PR, right? He really wants people to think that the court is good and normal. And he, he wants right. to do bad things. He just doesn't want anyone to notice that the court is doing bad <laughs> things. Like, this man is actually pretty solely responsible for gutting the Voting Rights Act over the last 10, 15 years or so. And he's been able to do it pretty quietly, pretty secretly, because no one cares what the Supreme Court is getting up to until they did this. And now all of a sudden, everyone's like, wait, whoa, whoa, 
six randos can take away my constitutional rights. I, had, da, 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 da. I don't remember. I don't remember that. And it's like totally fair that people would check out and not totally pay attention to what the Supreme Court is doing, because when they're not gutting abortion rights, they're like deciding whether or not the Alien Tort Act applies to Exxon or something. It's like you would. Who cares? You know, it's not stuff that like affects your day to day life really. But this does. I would love. I, just, I would love to taste a bite of Alien Tort, though. I'm trying to get into it. Um. But anyways, so I think that what he would have preferred, and I think this was really evident during oral arguments during Dobbs, is that he really wanted to find some compromise where the court could say Roe v. Wade is fine, but 15-week bans or X-week, you put in the number, X-week bans are okay as long as there's some sort of access to abortion. Is that good? No, it is not. No, I'm not trying to say that that's good. But what I am saying is that is, in fact, a better outcome than demolishing Roe v. Wade and throwing national abortion access into complete chaos. And I get that like right wing lawyers and plaintiffs would have continued to chip away at it and chip away at it over time. But I think that was John Roberts's preference was to go slow and eventually get there, but not do it in one fell swoop in such a way that it did so much blowback on the court. Had RBG retired in a more advantageous way, I think we would have had more time to get our shit together and try to protect people's rights, because it's pretty clear (laughs) where this court was driving the bus. Okay, so Megan, I'd like you to put on your judge robes and grab your gavel. Got it. Ooh, my pocket constitution. Yes. Ready. In the case of America versus text me back, always disappointed to see feminists blaming women for the misdeeds of men. Do you find us guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. (laughs) Women can be bad too. Gavel. Clonk. <laughs> next. <laughs> next hiding. Okay, this next one is very near and dear to my heart. This person says, Hello. <laughs> this is Heather from the woods in bleep, Washington. <laughs> Parentheses, Lindy, not to be a fucking creep, and also definitely not expecting you to share where you live publicly, but hi, are we sort of neighbors? Cool. Yes, we are. I'm pretty convinced my house is haunted by rat ghosts that only my small children can see. A year ago, my house was infested with rats and a billion baby rats were born in my walls. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no. After thousands of dollars, I believe we are now rat free. My twins, now two and a half, should have absolutely no memory of the rat days, but they talk about rats all the goddamn time. Mama, be a rat and chase me. I'm scared of rats, etc. Are rat ghosts mean? Are my kids going to be punished for the rat genocide I caused? Is there such a thing as a rat exorcism? These are the things I think about at night. It's still better than listening to rat parties in my walls. Love your podcast and can't wait for more. Now, before we discuss rats... Yes. So my big pumpkin prince, Barry, barreled saxophone, my dog, requires one hike per day or else (laughs) he's a problem child at night. We were on our daily hike the other day and I met Heather from the woods with the rat ghosts. Oh my God. And I met the rat medium baby twins as well. And I met Heather's partner <laughs> slash husband. I uh, I don't know the designation. And they were so nice. And at no point did Heather say, oh, by the way, I sent you 
an email to listener tidings. We just had an adorable chat about how they love the podcast. And I love that. it was so nice. So it was such a joy to receive this email from Heather. I love it because it feels so validating to hear from someone else who believes in vermin ghosts, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's great. I feel a lot less alone yeah. in the world, yeah. <laughs> knowing that there are others out there who think Wikipedia pages are coming to life. We mostly have a mouse problem, but one time when no one used to live here full time, it was just a country house in the woods. One time I came out here and I lifted up my pillow and underneath was a small collection of seeds and trinkets and trash. And then the exterminator was like, it's a pack rat, which I didn't, I thought was like a figurative type of rat. Like I oh know it's like a real kind of a species of rat, but it is. And then I like Smaug and his treasures. It, yeah. And then I had to hire a minuscule hobbit, a microscopic hobbit to display <laughs> my freaking parlay <laughs> <laughs> with my pack rat no i think we killed it and i'm sure it's ghost is freaking skittering around yeah. here first of all here's what i think heather i don't think your children are going to be punished for the rat genocide it sounds like they are in tune with the rats in a way that could yeah. be helpful to you down the line so i say let them foster those relationships <laughs> that's my friendship <laughs> advice with the rat ghosts uh but this story Got me thinking, I think I have a mouse in my wall. I can hear a little bit of in the walls and possibly in my heating vent. I'm not totally sure. But it got me thinking about how when I was in college in Bellingham, Washington, I was living in this house, this, you know, student flop house down the street from the university. And we had a rat living in our wall and our landlord was like, good luck to you. Make sure the rent's on time. You know, that kind of thing. And I never actually saw it, but you could hear it. And it was big. And then one morning, my downstairs roommate, Amanda, it, and it was early because she, she worked at like a bagel shop or something. So she would wake up really early to go make the bagels. So it was like five in the morning. We just heard her like issue this blood curdling scream and the rat <laughs> just burst forth from the wall, and like scampered across her feet and she screamed. And we were like, oh my God. And she said, it ran outside. And I, we didn't see it again after that. But anyway, so this mouse in my wall got me thinking about that rat. And I was like, man, I wonder, uh, wonder whatever happened to Amanda. And then two days later, she messaged me on Instagram and was like, hey, I heard your podcast. <laughs> and I just wanted to reach out. And I was like, oh, I was just thinking about you because of that rat that was in our walls. <laughs> And then she wrote me back. And I, I want to clarify that I have no recollection of any of this. <laughs> but she wrote me back and she said, OPS, I think you named that rat in our old house, Oprah. You used to scratch at my bedroom door and ominously whisper, Amanda, it's me, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why would I do that? It seems really traumatizing. <laughs> okay, wait. I gotta rewind. There's no way that you didn't do a voice. Can we hear it in the voice? I wonder if I did Your it like guests. I wonder if I did it like Oprah. If I, if it was Let's like hear two versions, one that's like Oprah and one that's like a rat. If I did it like Oprah, it probably was like Amanda. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Oprah! <laughs> <laughs> but she says it was ominous. 
ominously okay. whispering. So let's so hear that. It must have been like a little bit more Nicodemus style. I don't know. It might have been more Amanda. It's me, Oprah. <laughs> Or something. That's great. Anyway, Amanda, I'm really sorry. (laughs) If anyone's getting haunted by a rat, it's me. (laughs) And also, I want to say, I didn't name the rat Oprah because I have beef with Oprah. I love Oprah, and I was really into her in college. I watched her show every single day, so I think I did it as a A tribute. Yeah, she would appreciate it, I'm sure. I think so. I I have one last little rat fact, which is my mother-in-law is a real kook. And I love her so much. And she has started feeding the animals in her yard like she is Cinderella. Cinderella, she sees all animals as equals. And so she Mm -hmm. feeds the squirrels, she feeds the birds, and she feeds the rats. And she lives in a little cottage in my sister-in-law's backyard. And so my sister-in-law, Ijoma, told me that... (laughs) Because Susan won't stop feeding the rats, Joma had to spend a bunch of money to put all the rats on birth control. <laughs> like, they have a constitutional right. <laughs> it's because Rat Bader Ginsburg knew when to retire. Chief Justice John Ratbert's. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, Heather, I think you're good. I think you should feel really blessed. You've got two little kiddos that are just communing with rat ghosts. I think that kind of it's beautiful. kicks ass. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Good for and them. And now, hopefully, there won't be a next time. But if this happens again, you know there's another option, which is just to give the rats birth control and let them be liberated queens. Let them get checking accounts. Oh, go off queen. of their own. They don't need to be on their husband's get- account. Yeah. Let the rats get drive. Them their own lines of credit. Yep. So exactly. Go off queen. Well, thank you for sending in your tidings. This was we love. We love to hear from you. <laughs> Please keep sending your comments. This is my favorite Please episode. Keep we've sending ever done. Favorite episode we've ever done. <laughs> best episode we've ever done please keep sending us your compliments and please keep telling your best friends about our show because it's best friends that make the world go round and if you're the freaking guy that left us that one star review text bff to 206-926-9955 and tell us why what do you like about (laughs) us be specific i'm truly begging you or email us at text me back at kow.org and if you don't I swear to God, I'm sending an army of rat ghosts and you stinker. They're on birth control now, so they're really moody and pissed off. Yeah, think twice. You're going to bite your ass. Well, Megan, we done done it again. Uh, Lindy and Megan did nothing. <laughs> it was the podcast. <laughs> and they're saying we get to do another one. What are we going to do next week? I have an idea. <sighs> I'm going to introduce the new... I'm sorry. Wait, it. hold on. Is your idea going to make me rethink our entire friendship? Yep. I'm going to okay. introduce <laughs> the new official, unchangeable <laughs> nickname for the show that I made up, that I came up with by myself. 
only the Supreme Court can overturn the nickname. I am going to expand the number of seats on this podcast and overrule you. That's the text me back guarantee. Thank you so much for listening to Text Me Back. You can find me on Instagram at the Lindy West. And you can find me at important M-E-A-G-A-N. If you like the show, please tell your best friend about us and please rate and review us. It helps people find the show. Text Me Back is a production of KUOW in Seattle, a proud member of the NPR Network. Our editor is Jeannie Yandel. Our senior producer is Brandy Fullwood. Our mixer is Jason Burrows. Our production team includes Juan Pablo Chiquitza, Michaela Giannotti Boyle, Amelia Peacock, Hans Twite, Brendan Sweeney, and Marshall Eisen. Our music is by Chief Ahamefale J. Oluo. And special thanks to our perfect angel, Isolde Raftery. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher Mays. See you next week. My name's Claire McGrain, and I'm a producer for Seattle Now, KUOW's local news podcast. There is a lot happening in our region, and it's a lot of work to keep track of it all. We'll get you caught up on the latest news and take a deep dive into something happening around the city, all in under 15 minutes. Get a morning walk-in or grab a cup of coffee and start your day with us. Learn something new and connect with our city by searching for Seattle Now wherever you get your podcasts.